Hello, welcome and kumusta. My name is Hao and I am your occupational therapist and welcome to my podcast entitled OT Conversations. This is a podcast about occupational therapy and any other topics relating to the field be it medical foundations or philosophical foundations, some of my personal and professional opinions and point of view. I am hoping that through this podcast, I'll be able to help out occupational therapy students and clinicians to navigate their way through their clinical practice involving occupational therapy. One of the purpose of occupational therapy is for us to be able to help our patients to learn or for them to relearn the essential performance tasks in the areas of their personal care, in the areas of their work, or for them to be able to engage in a leisure activities that will enable them to, to go back to being independent. When you're working with NHS, patients do not pay because NHS is free at the point of delivery. So the challenge is because it is free, there is no demand for us to demonstrate results or show results in a short period of time. Now in other countries, because people are and services are paid for by either patients themselves or by the insurance companies, what they wanted to do is they wanted to see results in a short period of time. And those results are should be reasonable enough for them to reimburse payment. But in the United Kingdom, it's not like that. So that's one major difference in terms of, of service provision. And that is why, and in some ways, because it's free at the point of delivery, in the United Kingdom, it somehow affects the practice of occupational therapy and it affects our education, it affects the clinical reasoning of OTs and of students, of practitioners. And it's really shaping the profession in the country. Well, I'm here to talk about planning treatment and treatment planning. And it is really important. But at the moment in the United Kingdom, it is becoming like it's just an exercise or an academic exercise. Because having a proper treatment plan having a well-written-down treatment plan is really not a priority or is not really well-scrutinized if you are practicing in the National Health Service. But I know of some people who's working in the private sector, who's working with the insurance companies, or whose practice is being paid for by the insurance companies, I know that with them, they are very, very specific about how they are making their treatment plans, how they are documenting that they're achieving the goals, or how they are resolving 
the goals and the problems that, uh, that were identified. So it really pays to know about treatment plan. And this is something that we'll, I'd like to discuss to you about in this episode. So it may be just a one-off episode or it could be a long episode. So what is treatment plan? So is, is the design, technically a plan is a design or a proposal for a therapeutic program. So you're planning your treatment. And when you write it down, it's technically a design and it is a proposal on how you are going to deal with or how you are going to implement your intervention. So there are others who are saying that treatment planning is the core, is one of the core of occupational therapy practice. And there are others describe it as the the, the core of teaching in the occupational therapy placement or internship. So when a student comes over to their placement, this is the main thing that needed to be learned. Because the hands-on skills, yes, that comes in. Hands-on moving and handling, it comes to play. You, You build up your skills on that. Washing and dressing practice, you know, anybody can do that. That's fine. You know, you can have assistants doing that. And you can have healthcare support workers who are very skilled in doing that. You know, but for an occupational therapist, treatment planning is something that is very, very essential and should be the core of OT teaching. The treatment plan, it is based on the priority of the patient. The occupational therapist will have to critically analyze the deficits that have been identified during the evaluation. And then the OT will have to analyze the unique circumstances of the individual or of the client. Now, you also have to consider their physical and social performance contexts when you're doing the treatment planning because these factors affect your intervention and it affects the complexity of your treatment planning. So an analysis and an assessment is really very important. So when you're doing the assessment, you establish the social context, you establish the social support, you establish the physical context of the home environment, and you also identify the person's skills and abilities. Yeah, Their range of motion, their strength, their endurance, their cognition, their capacity, you know, their condition, what are the functional implications. All of these things are at play for you to be able to deliver a proper treatment plan. Effective treatment planning is possible if the therapist has made a thorough evaluation and careful evaluation and the therapist managed to conduct a review or they've analyzed the condition, they've summarized the assessments. So this is why you are actually reading the notes. You're not reading the notes just to know what the history is or the social history or the medical history. You're actually reading the notes so that when you find out what medical conditions there are, it is up to you to actually find out what the functional implications of this. And you need to know what the sequela of the condition is as well. Okay. When you're doing the treatment planning, you need to identify what the problem is and 
once you know what the problems are, then you can then, with the patient, started thinking about thinking about what the goal and what the objectives are. So treatment plan will include setting up goals and setting up objectives, and then it will involve thinking or planning as to how you're going to achieve these goals. What are the interventions or the activities that you will do to achieve or resolve those goals? So writing treatment plan, again, it only becomes an exercise, especially when one is a student. And uh, as soon as you're in the working, you're in not the working class, but as soon as we are in, in, in the workforce, you will notice that it's not really essential. Well, it still is. Ethically, it is essential to write these things down. But in practice, we're not doing this. We're just writing down the notes, really. But it is always good to write things down because when you do, it makes you think about the things that you needed to do. It makes you better uh, practitioner because you become a reflective practitioner. So what, what treatment plan does is that it guides therapists to proceed efficiently. Okay, and, and it provides a standard for me measuring the progress as well. So really, you identify the problem. What is the problem? And then at the back of your mind, you identify, okay, what do I want to do with this problem? What's the cause of this problem? What's the reason? Are the cause something that I can change? Or is it something that I can adapt? You know, so really, problem state the problem, and then what do you want to do? Okay. So if we're think, thinking about ADLs, so it's very straightforward. The problem, say, for example, dressing. What can be the problem in dressing? It's all about abilities. So dressing, the problem is the patient is able or unable, or the patient can do it, but with difficulty or the problem can put on the clothes, but with pain, or they can put on the clothes uh, slowly, or the person can only put on clothes with assistance of one, okay? So those are the problems. You have to quantify it. You have to quantify the problems in ADLs dependent on their, their independence, dependent on their safety, on how they perform the task, and dependent on the uh, the quality of their performance so this is now treatment planning when it comes to adls yeah so that's dressing what about oral hygiene it's pretty much the same are they independent yes or no or not independent what do you want to do can they do you, and then the next thing when you have to so the next thing after identifying the the, the problem and you describe it like independent are they safe is it, uh, you know, what's the quality of performance? The next thing that you want to do is when you're setting objectives, then what do you want to do with that problem? Okay. Do you want them to be independent? But then again, independence, you can measure independence. So this is now when you're trying to set goals now, you have to set the stages. That's why it's always important to know stages and then the developmental milestones you know, the stages and the progression of the abilities. It's grading. So let's say dressing. 
top half what's the what's the most difficult way you know the severe form of dressing ability is total dependence it's not just that nursing it has to be a skill dependence like for example dressing top half dressing if they're in critical care they can only dress with skilled assistance of nurses okay now if after that i know that that's a problem now as an occupational therapist what i wanted to do is am i going to address this problem can i change a person's ability to dress yes or no okay this is me now thinking about the context of the patient being very sick thinking about the context that the patient is in critical care thinking about the context that there's a lot of connections on the patient lots of attachments now thinking about the context of of the sequela of the condition and then i make a decision is now dressing going to be my priority in critical care it's like probably not isn't it so for that particular time for that particular space for the particular event and that moment when the person is in critical care i just could not do dressing training yet so the patient is dependent with dressing it requires skilled nursing but it is a problem that i cannot address and then i cannot resolve now when you're doing the intervention there are only five aspects on how you can resolve the problem you know are you doing a restorative intervention so if it's dressing they cannot dress if my objective is for them to be able to dress how am i how am i going to get him to dress i'm doing a practice and what is a practice that falls on the category of restorative intervention direct adl retraining so i can do restorative intervention if the person for example is is an elderly person who's really not doing so well and i know that even if we can practice once he's still going to need assistance and if i put in some reablement care okay that is now a supportive intervention and that's not a bad thing you know to do supportive intervention on which case you're not aiming for the patient to be independent dressing you're now aiming for the patient to be able to dress safely how are you going to address the safety by providing support and what is that support these are carers and what form of intervention is that that would be supportive intervention what about if the patient has difficulty putting on the clothes and within the time frame and the limitation of time that you're working with the patient in the hospital you started you want to aim that the patient should be able to put on the clothes but you use some adaptive aids for example say bottom half is the problem patient has difficulty or could not put on the bottom half clothing what do you want him to do when you want the patient to be able to put on the trousers safely and independently how are you going to achieve that safety and independence you can aim or you can teach the person to use dressing aid and this now is a modify intervention right so you see problem what do i want to do with that problem and then the next thing would be implement the problem yeah or what it, so problem what do i want to do what's my objective 
how am I going to address that? Okay, that's my treatment plan. And then, given a time frame, a short period of time, yeah, then on discharge, you need to reevaluate whether the person has done it, yes or no. The one factor in treatment planning, one thing that will affect your goal setting really, is the time frame. Time, yes, that's what's going to influence it. And who dictates the time? You're not dictating the time as therapist. The one dictating the time is the area where you are working. If you're working in the hospital, then your time frame is up to when the doctors say that the person is medically fit. There you go. So that is the time frame. Or if you're working in critical care, then your time frame is once the person has achieved uh, internal stability, then that's it. They need to go. If you're working in a uh, medical assessment unit, then you only have two days to work with a patient. After that, the patient needed to go. If you're working in a rehab facility, then you may have an, uh, a time of up to six weeks of therapy time. So working in facilities like hospitals or district general hospitals or rehab facilities, there is a time frame. Now, if you are working in the community, then you may have longer time. But nowadays, people are now pressured to provide up to a limited time frame of working with patients in the community as well. Gone are the days where OTs could come back over and over and teach the person to be independent with their personal care. You know, you now rely on carers. You now rely on people like uh, healthcare support workers that will enable a person to, to, to engage in their personal care. So they're like the reablement care. All right. So the process really is uh, when it comes to treatment planning, you know, you need to, number one is you need to assess, you have to analyze, and you really need to identify the problems. And then the second step is you need to explore what would be the possible solutions to resolve those problems. And then you can develop your goals and then your objectives. Yeah. So with you trying to factor in the stages of performance, yeah? And then the third step really is now you design an action plan or the treatment plan. How are you going to address that? What's your plan? How are you going to implement that? The next thing is you're going to assess the outcomes of the plan. Um, and then, or after that, you, you will regularly be assessing is the person achieving the, uh, the plan of action? Yeah, or is the person achieving the outcome that you've been setting? And then at the end of it, you may now have to terminate the treatment once you've achieved the objectives, or if you haven't achieved it, then you may have to modify 
the intervention, you may have to modify the goals. So these things are happening to an expert or to a, a, a uh, proficient clinician. People don't have to think about it. It's happening. It's happening regularly and constantly. But my suggestion for you guys is that if you want to be able to pass on the knowledge to people, you need to be able to verbalize your treatment plan so that you can write it down. One, that's our professional commitment to do, although nobody's monitoring it. The other one is you have to be able to write it down and you need to be able to explain what your intervention and how you do your treatment plan so that your students will learn how to do it with you or they can learn it from you. So that's it about treatment plan. It's, it's, it's very extensive. I've just tapped on one area, for example, and that's performance area of a very simple example of dressing. Okay. When you are working in the hospital, say acute hospital, the, I've keep on saying this to, to people and to, to students. There are three areas of ADLs that are very, very essential for a person to go home and to get them home safely. The first would be functional mobility. You want the person to be safe, if not independent, at least safe. You, can, you cannot totally guarantee independence, but you may work on achieving safety. So safety and independence with their functional mobility. And what is functional mobility? This is bed transfers, chair transfers, walking to the toilet, walking, stairs, if that is essential part of home. If not, then they don't need to do the stairs. So safety, okay? With functional mobility is one. The next thing that you need to have a goal in, that these are the first preset objectives that you need to look at, uh, would be their independence and safety with their toilet hygiene meaning they need to be able to walk to the toilet or access a toilet facility. This is already a goal. A patient will need to be able to access the toilet facility safely, right? So you see how I've stated that one in there? It's how to access, meaning you can either walk to the toilet, you have access, or if they can't walk to the toilet, if you issue a commode, then the person can have access to a toilet facility. So they need to be safe with toilet hygiene, meaning they need to be able to wipe their bottom if needed. Uh, they need to manage their own clothing, meaning they could lower down the trousers, pull it back up again. So that's that, safety with toilet hygiene. And then the third one is that they need to be able to call for help if it is required, which means emergency response. Now. Having said that, emergency response would mean that the person uh, should not be confused. Yeah. So that in case there is an emergency, they know what to do. So if a person is, you know, agitated, disorientated, does not know where he is, it's very difficult to get him home unless there is somebody with the person skilled enough to address those problems. 
if the person cannot walk safely, it will not be safe to get them home. If the person can't wipe their bottom, then they cannot go home safely. Okay, so these are the, the treatment planning. These are for, for the ADLs. And these are the three very primary, the very basic functional or ADL tasks that needed to be uh, resolved immediately. When it comes to dressing, if they're not optimized, you can aim for a person to be able to attend to dressing safely how you can get reablement care. They don't need to be safe with bath transfers because you can get reablement care. And this reablement care is a form of supportive intervention. Now, what then happens about performance component? What is your treatment plan for the performance component, right? I think this is going to be a lengthy discussion and which case I need to uh, put in an, an, another session for that because uh, this now becomes restorative interventions and uh, uh, it deserves another episode of OT Conversations. Well, I hope you learned a little something today, guys. Um, what I would recommend is that you go and talk to your friends about this, share, have this discussion, you know, um, have su supportive conversation, you know, have conversations, have this talk and learn together, grow together. Um, when you talk to one another, when you talk about these things, then you get better as a clinician. Until next time, guys. Bye. If you enjoyed this podcast, talk to your friends and colleagues about it. Like it, subscribe, share, and do what you can to appease whatever algorithm that is at play. I am but your humble clinician, albeit with years of experience, I have very little understanding of this digital world. So if you have any questions or if you have topics that you want me to talk about, drop me an email. It's riot.conversations at gmail.com. Just remember, guys, anything you do matters and has an outcome. Until next time, bye.